it's time to get real about today's hiring landscape. The ability to find, attract, and hire great people has become more vital to a company's success than ever before. That's why we need talent makers who prioritize innovative, more diverse, equitable, and inclusive hiring practices that put people first. On the Greenhouse Talent Makers podcast, we're celebrating the work of leaders dedicated to cultivating incredible talent. Join me, Mika Gabreas, Senior Manager of Editorial Content at Greenhouse, as I sit down with talent makers who are changing the game in hiring. Today, I'm joined by two inspirational leaders who are helping create and grow exceptional talent and powerful teams at Life Labs Learning. I'm chatting with Director of Team Enablement, Masela Dukli, and Talent Lead, Vim Busayaranglat. We'll discuss how to build an inclusive workplace and transparent hiring process. Please welcome Masela Dukli and Vim Busayaranglat. I am joined today by two insightful, wonderful leaders who work together at Life Labs Learning, which is an awesome hands-on company that teaches and develops managers, leaders, and teams. So let's get to know you both just a little bit more. Why don't you both introduce yourselves with your pronouns, your current role, and why don't you explain why you're passionate about DE&I hiring practices? So Vim, do you want to go first? Hi, everyone. I'm Vim, and I'm the talent lead here at Life Labs. My preferred pronouns are she, her. What I love most about DE&I hiring practices is actually knowing that while we can't remove each individual's person's biases, we can try our best to mitigate that. So actually, one of our current values at Life Labs is open the circle, which essentially means we take action to open opportunities to people who may not otherwise have that access. So personally, being an Asian-American cis woman in our current society, it's really empowering for me to know that the types of systems we create can either limit or open those opportunities for people. That's beautiful. I love that phrase, open the circle. Yeah, and Masella, why don't you go ahead? Thanks, Mika. I am Masella, everybody. I am the Director of Team Enablement at Life Labs Learning. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I am really passionate about DEI hiring because I think when we look at successful workplaces, they are workplaces in which you have a myriad of people, a myriad of experiences, knowledge. And the thing that's interesting is that I think sometimes we look at those environments and we assume that they just happened. And that's absolutely not the case. They require a lot of work and intentionality. And so when I think about the type of world of work that I would like to be a part of, one that I'm creating and contributing to, I want to be part of creating an environment where we do get access to the very best talent, where we get access to the biggest brains and minds and hearts. And I think that our intentionality, again, around DE&I hiring is what is going to create the type of world where we have better and better companies over time. Yes. I love that you've mentioned that because it's truly not an accident. So I want to get into that a little bit later, but I just want to mention like, I'm a huge fan of Life Labs. And no, this episode is not sponsored by Life Labs, uh, but I am going to fangirl for just a moment. We do use Life Labs Learning at Greenhouse. And, you know, one of the main reasons that I love it so much is so often people are hired to do a role and then they become a manager and they're expected to be great at it. 
And not everybody is. And that's okay. (laughs) And then so with Life Labs Learning, you know, it it gives you those tools to do the coaching and have those hard conversations and help your people grow and thrive. And because the company itself is so focused on making an impact in people's lives, I'm really excited to have this conversation to hear both of your thoughts on how you're kind of bringing that to life in, in hiring. So I would love some more context into the way that the two of you work together. So what does that partnership look like between the two of you at Life Labs for creating these inclusive hiring processes? I mean, maybe I can get us started. So first, I'm going to just try and one-up you, Mika, because I am the OG Life Labs fangirl. Yes. Um, (laughs) So originally my role at Life Labs, I was a facilitator and I've been at Life Labs for a little over five years now. And this was back in the day when Life Labs was just like a one-woman show And then it became two women and then maybe like two women and a a guy. But Life Labs was coming into companies that I was working at, Warby Parker to name the specific one. And I just thought like, wow, like this is what we should all be learning. Like, why didn't I learn this in college? These are just like simple communication skills. But all of that to say, my work today has become internal. I spent uh, about four and a half years really focused on clients. Greenhouse is actually a client that I taught at in person back in the day. It was really fun. Yes, um, I love that. Yes, love Greenhouse. They didn't pay me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, love Greenhouse. No, what I think is really cool about that experience, though, is that it gave me a lot of insight into what I thought would be really helpful for us at Life Labs. Like, it's one thing to, like, tell people how to do something, but how do you actually, like, live that. And so for us, it was always about like making sure that whatever it is that we are preaching is what we're practicing as well. And now in my role as the director of team enablement, I have a big opportunity to take much of what I've learned, not only from our content, but from unique people at Greenhouse, at other companies, and focus on the things that are working really well and focus on the things that aren't. So team enablement specifically has three major pillars in terms of our uh, work focus. Onboarding is one of them. Learning and development specifically focused on our directors and leaders, our role sponsors, which essentially would be a manager anywhere else, and also our all lab mate population. The third pillar there is going to be success enablement, which essentially is like performance. And where we sort of tie the knot, Vim and I, in terms of hiring is that Vim is setting the tone for people's experience before they even work at Life Labs. And I think it's so critical. It's the opportunity to really make sure that people are really clear on what type of workplace they might be entering into, what type of workplace they are applying to, a workplace that maybe they won't actually work at. But we want to make it as clear as day, not only what your role will be like, but what your experience will be like. And very gracefully after making sure that they have the most wonderful experience, they come on over to my team and we make sure that they are onboarded and supported as they start the very first part of their journey as a lab mate. Yes, I love hearing that. And I would also love to hear from from you, Vim, of of what that partnership looks like, kind of from the, the TA side of things, from the talent acquisition side. So before we get into all of that, too, I do want to share like a little bit of who I am and how I got into Life Labs. I like to say that Life Labs was like my first big girl job. (laughs) Like I've never worked at a different company besides Life Labs, but I have been working here for seven years. I started off here as a HR operations coordinator. I was employee like number seven. So I think I really had a lot of opportunity to just dip my toes into a lot of different aspects of the company that maybe I wouldn't have had a chance to now. 
So like accounting, finance, legal, support, like client work, people ops, all of that stuff. And I think all of those things really helped bring me to where I am today, which is hiring. One of the things that I don't know if a lot of people know, but hiring, you need to know a lot of the different teams and departments and how they work so that you can help bring the the best candidates or the best lab mates for them for that team. So now I work on the hiring team. I get to really strategize our hiring practices, optimize them, and really just support the team and their development. Masilla said it really well of how hiring and team enablement work together at Life Labs. For hiring, we are the first people that candidates see. We are the first people that they talk to. So we need to uphold that candidate experience. We want to be transparent. We want to be warm. We want them to know what it's like to work at Life Labs if we're even working at Life Labs. So for us, we're really setting the standards for them, even if they don't work at Life Labs. And then for the ones who end up do working at Life Labs, they kind of move along to Masilla's team to, you know, get onboarded and kind of like Masilla's team continually learning and kind of honing their skills in and learning and growing them at their journey at Life Labs. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that the two of you are such a clear example of that power that comes from that strong relationship between a hiring manager and leader and a recruiting leader, because this partnership is really what creates that excellent hiring process that's going to get people to come through the door, but also to take things a step further, get people to stay. And that's something that you mentioned, Masella, too, with Obviously, we want to hire people, but we also want to be able to retain people. And that really starts with creating an intentional, inclusive environment. Inclusion is not an accident, and it may occasionally happen accidentally, like Bob Ross style, like as a happy little accident. But inclusion needs to be intentional. And so it needs to be treated like a dire company initiative. And it's just as important as revenue because otherwise you will lose people. And that costs money too. So the question for both of you is, what's your advice for companies today who are maybe hoping to build a more inclusive work environment with that intention? I thought long and hard about this question, actually. And it might sound cliche, but to me, like Life Labs has really taught me to always defy the norms, always ask the questions. So my advice is to continue experimenting, asking the questions. We really love asking questions at Life Labs. So we're always thinking about how our current work environment plays out and if it's still values align. Because as the company grows and matures, things change and you need to keep up with all the changes. So we're always continuing to try to figure out how do we continue to optimize? How do we ask questions to build an even more inclusive and diverse team? So one of the things that we do personally in hiring, and I need to give a shout out to our director of idea, Ash, who is actually, we work very closely with to come up with any policies, any changes that we want to do within hiring. We need to work with her to make sure that we're good. So we ask these questions to new lab mates that are joining Life Labs. Did you feel the interviewing process was fair and inclusive? What is one thing you noticed during interviewing that might contribute to a fair and inclusive process? And what's one thing that might detract it? And all of these questions really help us for the hiring team, especially to just like, oh, maybe we can do this better. Maybe we can tweak this a little bit. Oh, let's continue doing this because it's actually going really well. That's kind of what we do in hiring. Yeah, I think that's so important to 
always take in all the feedback that's coming through because I don't feel like a lot of companies do that. We actually do something similar at Greenhouse, too, where we do candidate surveys after the interview. And so I love hearing the way that your hiring process is able to evolve over time at Life Labs and become more inclusive because you're actually taking that feedback and letting people be heard and then implementing it. So I think that's that's really excellent. And Masella, did you have anything you wanted to add on this? Yeah. So mine is... I think it can be tactical. Maybe it's more philosophical, but I think it's an important thing. Generally, when we're thinking about building inclusive cultures, I've often seen it spearheaded by maybe one particular function or department within the organization. And generally, that's in your people ops, HR-related side of things. And I think what's good and bad about that, good, of course, you've got a team of people who generally, like, really care and want to make a difference. Like, I always find that, like, people ops people we're generally in our jobs because we do care about people and we want our workplaces to be good. But I think what's unfortunate is that sometimes our peers, even as well-intended as they might be, might not be fully sort of bought in or aligned about why things actually matter. So philosophically, I think beyond just saying we want a more inclusive workplace because it's the right thing to do or because we want to be on like best places to work or because we don't want people to put crappy reviews on our glass door you have to really think about what the benefit is. And the benefit is not just like what it is for HR, what it is for your company. Make sure every single stakeholder is really bought into and understands why that matters. And for some people, I think you're going to have to shift that message. So for some of us, we're thinking, wow, we're going to have the very best product we could possibly have. And for some people, their buy-in is like, wow, we're going to save X amount of dollars per year for every hire that actually stays that we didn't waste $80,000 onboarding. Whatever the case is. And I think really making your benefit statements, whether that be data or something that's more qualitative, as clear as possible so that you have something to come back to when people are getting frustrated by time, effort, resources, whatever it might be. Have something that you can anchor. We're doing this because, not just because it's nice, not just because it's like the thing to do right now, but because it's important. It actually makes some sort of significant difference. And I would say that you know, in the world of DE&I, unfortunately, people tend to like play this game where they act as if like there's no like real uh, data that you can speak to in terms of importance. And there's tons of data out there. You know, Google University will, will get, you, get you all that you need. But a lot of people don't do that. So what ends up happening is they're like, oh, you know, it's nice. But and your whole dynamic at a company can change when we're not considering those things. So get your ducks in a row so that you can make sure that you have all the right people really clear on why this matters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Snaps to that. I mean, there there is also, yeah, like you said, Google University, like, I'm a, I'm a graduate. Um, it's been very successful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> yeah, we all are. And the data does exist. And so quick plug for the Greenhouse blog. If you go to greenhouse.io slash blog, you can also find that we have tons of articles that are really outlining that show specific data on benefits of diversity in the workplace. And obviously, if you work at a place like Life Labs Learning or at Greenhouse, like we kind of have that baseline knowledge already, but everyone's education levels on this are quite different. And so it's important to go out and, and do that research then if, if you're not quite sure or understanding. Time for a quick break. When we come back, more of my conversation with Masella and Vim. At ThoughtWorks, we believe that diversity is the key to great teams, and inclusion is the secret sauce that helps everything come together. Beyond Diversity in our latest social impact report delves into some of our DEI programs and partnerships, 
including how we're hiring more women in underrepresented gender minorities, creating opportunities in tech for people with disabilities, and using technology to uplift those in vulnerable or at-risk populations. To really embed diversity, equity, and inclusion, we focus on finding and nurturing diverse talent, fostering inclusion and belonging, providing equitable advancement and opportunities, and creating truly inclusive retention and people policies. We know we make better technology when everyone feels comfortable and when our teams reflect the society that software is being built to serve. We don't just want to make this a reality at ThoughtWorks. We want to improve the tech industry overall. Download the report now by visiting the link in the show notes. Welcome back, y'all. Let's get into more of my conversation with Masella Dukli and Vim Busayaranglat. You know, as we talk about inclusion in the workplace, there's one big barrier to that. And it lurks in the shadows. And it's a scary thing. I'm saying this because it's spooky season. (laughs) And it makes great hiring really, really hard. And it is what I like to call the B word. Not that B word, though. It's bias. (laughs) And so with bias, you know, We can't get rid of her. She's like a shadow or like my little Pomeranian named Cashew following us around, never leaving our side. And we can't completely rid ourselves of bias, but we can mitigate it. And so to help, we sometimes have to set specific boundaries with candidates in interviews to help kind of mitigate any bias that might be creeping in. And it's definitely a challenge. And so for you, Masella, I know you've spoken about this before, so I'd love for you to kind of share your insights right now. What are the benefits of helping recruiters set those boundaries with candidates, especially as it relates to mitigating bias? So like any specific examples, and for you, Vim, too, any specific examples that you can share on how to set boundaries in interviews? To start, what I will say is that interview training is so important. I can't tell you how many companies I have either worked at or worked with and they kind of are like, let's interview somebody and they like throw everybody into a room and they've never interviewed before. Like even as an example, like my partner who's like sitting in another room, like I think last week was like interviewing somebody and he's like, I don't really know what to say. And I'm like, that's horrible because what will end up happening is that like you're going to hire somebody that you like. You're going to hire somebody that's attractive. You're going to hire somebody that, I mean, you're on Zoom, so somebody that smells good, but like this has happened to me once. One time I remember I was interviewing somebody in person. This is before I had any sort of formal interview training. And this beautiful woman walks in and she smells like terrific. And, you know, I'm like, wow, like I love her perfume. Like something's happening. Does this mean that she is the best person for the job? Absolutely not. We did end up hiring her and she was great, but like that doesn't happen all the time. So in terms of benefits, like this is simply about making sure that your interviewers are really prepared to be able to, as unbiasedly as possible, be able to have a conversation that will help you uncover what you need to uncover. Not, again, do you like them? Not uncover, do you have something in common? Or did you go to the same concert last weekend? But can they do the job? That is the most important thing. And then on top of can they do the job, the other thing you're typically trying to uncover is what we at Life Labs, you know, people say like culture fit. You don't want fit. You want like culture ad. What are they going to bring to this team that is going to be something that helps us to be the best version of ourselves? So examples of what this might be. One thing that we have practiced at Life Labs, and I learned this in our Life Labs training, shout out to Audrey on Vim's team who ran the wonderful trainings, but even just like things like greetings. People get weird about greetings. Like they'll come in and they're like, hi, how are you? How's it going? 
totally fine to say those things. Where it gets messy is where you start asking personal questions. So again, I might say like, oh, Mika, what did you do this weekend? Mika tells me, you know what? I was like totally binge watching, you know, I don't know, that Jeffrey Dahmer thing on Netflix and I'm so into crime and I'm like, oh, Mika, girl, let's talk about it. Seems harmless. But now all of a sudden there's a baseline here, which is that Mika and I have something in common and therefore Mika is perhaps more competent than Mika might actually be. And vice versa. If Mika instead told me I was watching the football game, I'd be like, oh, gosh, no. And I'm like, okay, Mika, thanks. Next question. But super, super dangerous. So instead, with your greeting or your salutation, it's just like, hi, how are you? Thanks so much for being here. And it might even be a mention of, before we get started, would you need to take some time to like grab some water? Or would you want to take some time to run to the restroom? Another thing that we also do that is in the same vein We'll just say to people, hey, you know, we want to make sure that this interview experience is as unbiased as possible. And so I might sound like I'm scripted. I promise you I'm not. It's just so that we can make sure that we are able to connect and gather the data and the information that we need. Please know that you are interviewing us just as much as we are interviewing you. And what I love about that is that instead of like feeling awkward, everybody's like, oh, okay. If Michelle sounds a little scripted, there's a reason why. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, that kind of leads me into another piece, too, which I would love to talk to you about, Vim, which is about transparency in the hiring process. And so how important is transparency when it comes to interviewing candidates? And can you share examples of that? I know, Marcella, you've given a really great example of that with like communicating things to candidates. But is there anything specific that you're doing at Life Labs that will really showcase that you're being transparent? And, and why is that important? I love this question. I'm like a hiring nerd, so I can talk about this all day. But I love it. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I really believe in transparency and not even just communication with candidates or like email updates or anything like that. But even like small things like our job posting, for example. One thing is we always write the salary range just because we want to ensure that what we are thinking is the salary range is also what candidates are thinking. Another thing is that we actually put in in a job posting the stages of the entire interview process. So from application stage all the way till the end of the stages, what will you be going through? What is that stage? How much prep time you'll need to do for that stage and how long that interview is? So all of these small things, even within the job posting, is like crucial to just letting candidates know, hey, we care about you. We care about your time. We respect your time. And if it's not a good fit for you, all good. So recently we, you know, there's a lot of things that happen outside of hiring and outside of the org that kind of impacts hiring, right? And because of that, one of the things that happened was we had to pause on a role that a lot of the candidates actually made it to the offer stage at that point. So we knew this was going to be really hard news to deliver to candidates. It's going to be disappointing. So I want to uphold within hiring integrity, transparency, and giving candidates a reason of, hey, this is why we pause on this role and we're really sorry and we appreciate your time. I don't like to go around the, hey, we closed this role because we filled it. That's, That's a lie. And I can't do that to candidates. So We went a little bit back and forth with the hiring manager on just like how much information should we share? How much should we not share? And essentially, we ended up deciding, hey, let's share the reasoning to why we closed this role. And this kind of also highlights like hiring managers and our relationship with hiring managers and just ensuring that like we need to have a partnership to be able to have these types of conversations with them. 
ended up being really great, actually. The hiring manager thanked us for challenging them to be transparent and values first in our communication. So at the end of the day, it went really well. That's amazing. I love hearing stories like that. And, you know, that really shows transparency in hiring can make or break a candidate's decision or perception of your organization. And maybe you can't hire them right now for whatever reason, but great talent will definitely come back to you if you are transparent and clear in this process. So I absolutely love hearing that. And I know we're kind of nearing the end of the conversation now, as I'm so sad to say, because I loved this chat. And I do want to ask both of you. So if listeners could walk away with just one key piece of advice for DE&I hiring or being a great talent maker, what would you want them to know? It's actually similar to what I just shared before. Our society is ever-changing all the time, so just what you think that you're doing right now doesn't mean that it's the end-all, be-all. In six months, it could be different, and you're going to need to pivot and change again. So I always like to ask like two guiding questions whenever we want to do a process change. How can we make our candidates feel like they can be their best selves during our hiring process? And are these processes aligned with our values, or are we just doing it because everybody else is doing it? That's real. <laughs> That's great advice. Yes. What about you, Masella? If, if listeners could walk away with just like one key piece of advice for DE&I hiring, what would you want them to know? I think what I would add to what Vim has just mentioned really comes down to sort of dismantling whatever idea you have of hiring someone in your head. I think even structurally, like remove any company, remove anything. We look at interviewing as like, I'm talking to somebody, trying to get information out of them so I can make some sort of judgment. And like, yes, that's part of it. I'm not denying that. But I think when we do that, we become so rigid that we don't actually get to see the people and the experiences and the knowledge that they bring to the table. And so instead, like, this is a, the meeting of minds. Like, imagine you are on a date per se, and <laughs> not to take it in the wrong direction, but you're on a date and you have to like the person. The person has to like you. And by liking, I don't mean just like sentimentally. I mean, of course, based on whatever hiring criteria that you have. But I think if we can be really thoughtful about the fact that there are humans who are invested in this process, there are humans who are looking to see if you are right for them, just like how we're looking to see if they are right for us. I think the more systems that we have in place to make the process such as that, I think we get better hires. I think we get people who come in more open, more willing to experience whatever it is that you know we can mutually offer one another. So see humans, consider the systems that you have in place that allow you to actually see them as such, treat them with respect. And remember, it is a two-way street. They should be assessing and interviewing you as much as you are doing for them. Mm-hmm. Be human. I think that is such amazing advice. And I just want to say thank you so, so much to both of you for this great conversation. I feel like people are going to absolutely have so much to take away from this chat. So thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Mika. Thank you. Thank you so much, Masella and Vim, for this inspiring conversation. And thank you to all of our listeners. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen if you like this episode. If you didn't, don't worry about it. Learn about how Greenhouse promotes inclusivity and embraces diverse perspectives in our product, culture, and our community by visiting us at greenhouse.io forward slash belonging. Special thanks to our production partner, Wonder Media Network, their producer, Alana Herlins, and production assistants, Sarah Schleed and Lila Watts. And another shout out to our greenhouse producer, Marnie Williams. Until next time, 